Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Today we welcome Tracy Newman as our Song of the Soul guest. She's got a long and rich resume in music and beyond. An L.A. native, she picked up the guitar at 14, and by the mid-1960s she had made her way to New York City to get in on the folk music scene, but moved on after just two years, and pretty soon was one of the founders of the improv group called The Groundlings. Why were they important? Because they were essentially the farm team for Saturday Night Live. And while Tracy's sister went that direction, Tracy became a scriptwriter for TV sitcoms and more. After a long stint there, Tracy came back to writing and performing music, some primarily for adults, some aimed at children. With an Emmy Award and having worked with many of the greats of her generation, Tracy Newman's gifts are obvious and extensive, and she joins us by phone today from Los Angeles, California. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me this morning for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much, Mark. This is a real pleasure. I can't wait to see what this is like. <laughs> well, a lot of people have that, let me see, eagerness or apprehension. Who knows? <laughs> of course, if you had all the free time in the world, which you don't have, you could have gone to NordenSpiritRadio.org and listened to the hundreds of Song of the Soul interviews that I have out there. I am busy. And I, I should have done that, actually. I really should have. Shoulds we don't need. But on the other <laughs> hand, let's talk first about your career. You were an aspiring musician. You were going to go out there and take the world by force. I really was. You're really describing me. I went to New York in the 60s, actually, thinking, if I don't become a star in two years, I'm going to quit. I mean, I really had that attitude. And did you become a star and quit anyhow? I didn't quit. I did not become a star. And I realized it wasn't a question of do two years, see what happens. It was sort of what I wanted to do. So it didn't really matter. Where were you doing your music then? Pretty quickly, I was at the bitter end. What happened was I was kind of good at emceeing. You know, it was really comfortable on stage. So I emceed and was the opening act at the bitter end for almost a year, off and on, presenting all kinds of acts. So I got to see everybody. That was very exciting. And I was performing at a part of the time at a nightclub called Tobo's which was like 60th and Madison, something like that. It was a dinner, like a supper club. And I can't believe I actually did this. I went from table to table and played for, I got a salary there, but I played for tips, really. You know, I did like probably five shows a night there where I would take a 20-minute break and then go around for 20 minutes and go from table to table and do requests right at their table. That was a pretty weird job. But I really, again, I met a lot of performers there. You know, my time in New York was celebrity-filled. It was really exciting. And since you were MC, does that mean you helped launch the careers of some of those people you met? Anyone of note? Oh, yeah. But I, I wouldn't say that I was helped launch their careers, but people like Dick Cavett were doing stand-up at the time and Woody Allen. And 
I never presented Woody Allen, but I was there a couple times when he performed. I just didn't happen to be the MC that night. And there were just a lot of partnerships and groups where one or like the first edition, you know, Kenny Rogers in the first edition. Sure. Like they were there, but Kenny wasn't the star of that group. It was really Mike Settle and Cherry Williams. Of course. Now, what point in the 60s have you arrived in New York? I was only there for end of 64 to the beginning of 66, so maybe two years I was there. And I I mean, the amount of stuff I did in that time, it almost seems untrue to me when I look at it. It's just amazing to me. But, you know, I was young, 23, I think, something like that, 22, and I was full of energy. And, you know, I had a, a certain kind of talent, and I was... Um, I was a better MC, and I, I was funny on stage, so I was better at that than I was actually singing, and, and I wasn't writing songs yet. I was doing Bob Dylan songs and just some very kind of eclectic songs, whatever I could play, really. I was a pretty good guitar player for that time. The people that came up after that, you know, people like Eric Clapton and all those, you know, the great, great players, if they were around, I didn't see them. So, you know, for a girl to get up and play well back then was kind of a, a novelty. And you went from that, you spent your two years in New York, and then you retreated to other work, and you did a lot of writing for a number of years, letting that take front seat. Do I get that right? Well, yeah, but you're, what you're skipping is the Groundlings. Oh, yes. I was a founding member of the improv group called the Groundlings, which eventually became the farm company for Saturday Night Live. That's what led me to writing. I didn't just, for writing TV anyway. I mean, I was writing songs and things before that, but became a much better songwriter after I wrote for television. And I wrote for TV maybe for 18 years, something like that. Did your sister follow you to the Groundlings, or did you follow your sister to the Groundlings? Well, she's, first of all, you need to know that my sister is nine years younger than me. So what happened was uh, she had been living in Paris and taking classes at, at Marcel Marceau's mime thing, whatever that's called. Mime school? Yeah, mime school. <laughs> and she uh, came back, and she has a twin brother, by the way. His name is Paul, Paul Newman. Not the famous Paul Newman, but my brother, actually, Paul, is, is, calls himself Dutch Newman now, and he's a terrific singer-songwriter. Both of them, I was kind of the secondary mother because I was nine years older. So even though I knew that Lorraine was very funny, I didn't really know how funny she was. And I brought her to the class that became the Groundlings, and she completely blew me away. I mean, she was so ridiculously funny. So it was so much fun to watch her. And so I brought her to the Groundlings, and then shortly after that, we started doing shows, and there were a lot of great performers in the Groundlings back I mean, there still are, but there's never been a time when there weren't at least, I would say, 20 brilliant performers at the Groundlings. So we started doing shows, and Lily Tomlin and Lauren Michaels, well, Lauren was looking to start a show, and Lily Tomlin was doing a special so she uh, came to the Groundlings and hired maybe five Groundlings for the special, and Lorraine was one of them. And the rest is history. I mean, she, Lauren Michaels produced that special. Lorraine was just brilliant on it. When he decided to do that, you know, Saturday Night Live, he asked Lorraine to do it. He actually offered the show to a couple of Groundlings, and they had good careers going already in L.A. So one of the things was you had to move to New York. 
Lorraine didn't have anything going on. She was like 22. So she was willing to do it. Packed up her car and drove across country. And the first thing that happened was all of her costumes and wigs and everything were stolen out of her car when she got there. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> New York City. Wow. Right. I mean, Lorraine's got great stories of uh, early SNL days. So, yeah, the answer to your question is I brought her there. She was immediately brilliant. Well, it probably runs in the family. So probably you and Paul and Lorraine and any other siblings? Yeah, my older brother is Steve. Are you going to risk it by saying that any of your siblings are not brilliant? I don't know if I'd call all of us brilliant. But anyway, my older brother was a lighting designer. He designed the lighting for the Roxy and... He was on tour with Van Halen and a couple of other groups. But now he sells ATM machines, and I'm not sure what kind of brilliance it takes to do that. But, yeah, I think Paul is brilliant, actually. Paul, I mean, you can, you know, I don't know if I'd say that about myself. I'd certainly say it about Lorraine, and I would say it about Paul, too. Well, the reason people tuned in today is to hear some of the music of Tracy Newman. Oh, duh, How about, yeah. <laughs> how about getting us started? Well, you know, we're talking about Lorraine. Why don't you play Lorraine? Because after I left television and I went back to songwriting, one of the first songs I wrote was Lorraine. Well, folks, let's listen to our first song from Tracy Newman. It's from her album, A Place in the Sun. And this is about her sister of SNL fame, Lorraine. Thirty years ago, just a toothpick of a girl was making the whole world laugh. Live from New York every Saturday night for a solid gold hour and a half. Blinded by the lights and the backstage drama, never knowing the extent of her fame till late one night in the lobby of the plaza John Lennon shouted out her name the And from the rubble you'd be so glad you're you If you could see yourself as I do Now I'm watching you Watch your two girls swimming As you bask by the pool in the sun you bring up your hand to shade your eyes Gently caution your little one Now they're begging you to jump into the pool You get up and walk slowly to the side Turn your back to the water Lift your eyes to the sky Fall straight back with your arms open wide, Lorraine, Lorraine. If you could see yourself 
a natural mother like you hopped out of one life into another. You'd be so glad they have you. If you could see yourself as I do. And how lucky for me! My best friend is actually a member of my family. Tracy Newman is here today with us for Song of the Soul. That's Lorraine, a song about her sister, who was one of the groundlings. And I didn't even know about the groundlings before I started researching you, Tracy. Oh, which, really? That How ignorant can I be? You know, one of the things that affected my life is 1977, I went to Togo, West Africa. I was in the Peace Corps for two years. And there's a certain founding portion of culture in the United States that I just didn't get on the right footstep with. I've certainly been exposed to Saturday Night Live plenty since I've been back, but it's just at that moment, there's some things that I'm lagging behind the rest of the world. Yeah, you were out of the country and you weren't doing what everybody else was doing, which was (laughs) getting together with groups of people every Saturday night and watching SNL. So did you watch all the time? I did back then. Did you and Lorraine get on the phone right after? You know, I didn't I didn't do anything with Lorraine during that time. She was I mean, that's what the song's about is how cloistered they were. But she really didn't understand the scope of their fame or how well that show was doing. That's why I do that line about John Lennon in there. That was one of the ways she found out how famous they were because she was such a big Beatles fan. She found out by him yelling her name across the lobby that, oh, my God, look how well-known we've become. (laughs) So did John Lennon then come over and ask her to tell him a joke or something? You know what? That's a good question. I don't know what happened after that. I think he just yelled Lorraine across the lobby and went his own way. (laughs) That kind of thing. Just acknowledgement, you know. And she was like, my God, that's John Lennon. He knows my name. In the song, you seem to indicate some kind of doubt, second guess about the path her life took. Did motherhood come up feel daunting or something? I mean, you know, like anybody, she had her problems. And so the fact that she got married and had kids, which is a conventional thing to do in a person's life, she just felt lucky to be able to just continue on what you might call a normal path. Well, there is obviously a lot of talent bubbling around in the family. You've been doing music not only as Tracy Newman and the Reinforcements, but you've been doing music as Run Along Home. You know, Run Along Home is towards kids, and your other music is a larger swath of older adults, right? Yeah, well, it's it's for the (laughs) grown-ups. Yeah. 
<laughs> the Tracy Newman and the reinforcements is for the grown-ups. And then Run Along Home is my new company, which I'm very excited about. I have these people running it, and uh, I actually have a distributor. Think about that. I was, you know, a regular singer-songwriter for grown-ups for, I don't know, 10 years. I was doing a good job, you know, I was good at it, and couldn't get a distributor. But the minute I started doing children's music, I got a distributor not only for my children's music, but for my grown-up music. I assume that's based on the fact that people buy stuff for their kids that they wouldn't anticipate for themselves. Right, I guess so. Or they just, they need the stuff for their kids and they don't need the stuff for them, you know, themselves as much. And then they, I think that what this distributor realizes or, you know, knows from his own experience that once you get somebody's work out there under one kind of work, that there's going to be a market for the other work that that person does. So, you know, he, he just wanted to tie up all of it. You know, this is the first time in music. I mean, I've made a good living in television, but I, this is the first time in music I'm starting to see returns from the distributor. Well, let's keep going with your music. We're losing track of it for a few other things. Uh, there's a lot of life that I think would be really interesting, and I think people should follow up with you at TracyNewman.com or at runalonghome.com, either one of them, they'll get a glimpse of some of who you are as well as a lot of the music that you do. What should we share next for Song of the Soul? Why don't we go to something on my second CD? The second CD is called I Just See You, and probably the most requested song is, let me tell you which track it is, because I don't really want to say the name of it, because if I say the name of it, it kind of gives it away. Does it have the initials F-U-T-W? Yes, you do have it. It's number four. It's cut number four <laughs> on I Just See You. <laughs> and by the way, this is based on a, I, I'm sorry to say it's based on a real relationship. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll ask you more about that right after people listen to... Cut number four. Listen to cut number four from the CD, I Just See You, Tracy Newman. I'm embarrassed to say this relationship works because we never talk. Except for make me some eggs, bacon and toast, and aren't you gonna wear socks? To be honest and true What I like about you Is that you're always high You don't care if we never Get out of the house And neither do I This must be the way we want it This must be what we What silences me You were with someone else I snatched you up for myself Like the last piece of meat Not that you didn't 
jump at the chance, old dog that you are. But I opened the door, patted the seat, and said, "Get in the car." This must be the way we want it. This must be what we need. I'll make the martinis, and you fire up the weed. I think the talking things through is overrated. I'd rather be blue and medicated. It took a few years and buckets of tears for me to understand why your ex never once even complained when I took her man. She was patiently waiting for a sucker like me to come on. By now, that song's called "Fire Up the Weed" from Tracy Newman's recording. I just see you. You got me. I I figured this was a figment of someone's imagination, but it's a real event, a real relationship. Tell me about that. This song is、uh, requested because it's funny, and of course, when you listen to it four or five times, you realize, well, wait a minute. If this is a real relationship, this is not so funny. The joke that I make when I introduce this really is: this is my idea of all the ingredients in a good relationship, which is, of course, the opposite is true. <laughs> yeah, it was.、Uh, it, it includes everything that you're not supposed to do if you're building a relationship, which is drinking and drugs and cheating and、uh, not communicating, not communicating, and also a, a bit of self hatred. If you really listen to it, there's a lot of that in there, and not just self-hatred, but lack of respect for your partner. It was literally everything. I don't know how I lasted in that relationship as long as I did, but it was fun. I have to say, it was a lot of fun, which is, of course, how I <laughs> how I lasted. But it was an interesting time, very interesting time. Oh, that's interesting, as in the Chinese curse. May you live in interesting right, times. Right? Yes.、So. Yes. Exactly. You understand. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> I come from a family with a lot of alcoholism in it. At one family gathering, about half my siblings and their partners were there, and all of them had an average of two DUIs per person. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> it, and since I've never even been tipsy or done any drugs, it's kind of weird. That's why I'm the white sheep of the family out of the 12 of us. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's not very much fun for you either to be at a party with all of those people who are drinking. Well, it's not, but I, I'll tell you a story after we get off the air that'll give you an idea what I do. Now you're going to, you have situations. all of your, your listeners are going to be curious about your life right now <laughs> and what this story is. You realize that. Really, but what we want to do is get into more of your life. But first, I want to remind folks that you're listening to Song of the Soul. org is our website with both our Spirit and Action Song of the Soul programs. Since 2005, there's many hundreds of wonderful musicians, writers, artists, and workers for world healing on our programs. So go to org, post a comment, follow the links, and make a donation. This is full-time work, but but it's paid for only by listener donations. So please make a donation when you come. Even more important, I love it when you support local community radio stations. There are alternative forms of music and news that we have out there in the world are so crucial in this day of increasing centralization. It's the point where 90% of all media are owned by just six corporations, which is an incredible limitation. So support your local community radio stations first. Absolutely essential. Tracy Newman is with us here today. She's with us alone, but normally she has her reinforcements with her. It's Tracy Newman and the reinforcements when she's performing at least her adult stuff. And when she's doing Run Along Home, which is her youth recordings, I guess she's just the stunning Tracy Newman. <laughs> do you have someone who normally plays with you when you do Run Along Home? No, no. I, I go to schools. What I do is I send the CDs ahead of time and make sure that the teachers play the songs for the kids for about a month actually like at their quiet time and then I go in and I'm like a rock star you know I walk in and they just they're so excited because they know every word to every song and it's really exciting to do that with children it's like the worst audience in the world if they don't know you unless your show has a lot of clowns and sounds and stuff I'm not I'm not I mean there are great children performers I'm not really one of them but when they know my songs I am one but I'm not somebody who goes there with a show, exactly. But I'm willing to come there. If they know the songs, you don't have to do any discipline. They're just riveted for a certain amount of time. I mean, not for an hour, I would say, but for, you know, about a half hour, which is pretty good for four-year-olds. I have a great, horrible idea. The last performance you ever give for kids, the last one, mm-hmm. and this kind of assure it, you should perform Fire Up the Weed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, if their parents are there, they're not going to be too thrilled with that. There are a couple of songs on uh, the CD, I Can Swing Forever, which is my first children's CD. I didn't write these. They're written by Hi Zaret and Lou Singer, and they're from the 40s. And one is called It Could Be a Wonderful World, which a lot of people know. And the other, which is not as well-known, is called the blood type song or close your eyes and point your finger. You could play either one of those, and I think people would really, it would really connect with what you're doing. I would do the blood type song only because when the immigration stuff started happening, sort of the turn that it took, which was so unbelievably horrible, 
the song Close Your Eyes and Point Your Finger came to mind and I started singing it at shows for grown-ups because it's not necessarily a song for children, but it is such an important message. Here's the song, Close Your Eyes, Point Your Finger. We'll talk about it a little bit more afterwards by Tracy Newman. Close your eyes and point your finger On the map, just let it linger Any place you point your finger to There's someone with the same type blood as you England, China, or Alaska Mexico or Madagascar Makes no difference what they are or do There's someone with the same type blood as you No type of blood is better, no type of blood is best Each type of blood is just as good, not better than the rest In the mountains or in the valleys, rich hotels or slum-like alleys Any place you point your finger to There's someone with the same type blood as you It may be A or AB, it may be B Type it may be, sir, there's one thing you should know Nature has no favorite nation, color, creed, or occupation Any place you point your finger to There's someone with the same type blood as you It's true, there's someone with the same type blood as you There's a sample of what Tracy Newman shares with young folks. Her website for that purpose is runalonghome.com. Normally you'll find her at tracynewman.com. She's with us here today for Song of the Soul. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That's so appropriate for today, the issues going on with immigration and tearing kids away from their parents and just the lack of empathy. Way back when I was in high school, which is to say, you know, 46 plus years ago, I remember trying to figure out how could I make the world better? How about if I had a machine that we could point all around the world and everybody would increase their empathy? I think that war would have to go. I don't think anyone could do that anymore. And so much of the evil in the world could not be done. Wow, you were you were pretty advanced back then. <laughs> Something about surviving through living in a family of 12 kids, maybe. <laughs> right, it sounds like it. Wow. Well, you know, I didn't write this song. It's written by Lou Singer and Hi Zaret, who I think were probably well-known writers in the 40s. I was singing these songs to children and adults, even when I was a camp counselor, you know, in my teens. When I started doing children's records, I thought, what better thing to teach them? You know, it just seemed like the best thing. I wrote songs with Malvina Reynolds, too, for these CDs. There's one on there called Under the Chair. Malvina Reynolds sent me the lyrics years ago, and I I wrote the music, but I never used it for anything. And her words, it went... Under the chair is not the where to put your gum chum. Because remember in school where you'd reach under your chair and there'd be like a thousand pieces of gum? I don't know if it's like that anymore, <laughs> but it was, it was disgusting. And so she wrote that song. So you were friends with Melvina back in the days? Yeah, for some reason. she In the 70s, somebody must have given her my name and number as a collaborator, and she sent me a bunch of lyrics. And I put music to two of them, I think. And there might be more than that, but I I can't remember right now because I haven't recorded them. 
you know, we just, we hung out a little bit. I mean, she was in her 50s. She might have been in her 60s by then. I don't know how old she was in the 70s. I'm, this is very confusing with all the numbers. But I was like in my early 30s. So it, it was an interesting relationship to meet Malvina Reynolds. You know, and she had already done Little Boxes. I mean, that was already, that had already been a hit. I don't suppose you ever heard her song, A Little Mouse? I do know this song, and I have, because I have a Malvina Reynolds book. Tell me what that says. I can't remember right now. A little mouse got into the wires at the Central Clearing House in Buenos Aires. One little mouse short-circuited the computer, said press dispatch from Reuters. Hooray for the little mouse that bleep up the <laughs> clearing house. And it goes on from there. She's so great. And if one little mouse can set them all awry, why not you and I? And there's more. Yeah. But it's a great song. Do you know great her song, song, The Day the Freeway Froze? That's another great one. She was such a great writer. I'm friends with her daughter, Nancy Schimmel. She's a wonderful singer-songwriter herself. And she's doing children's records, too. I should be getting a hold of her. But right now, we want to have more music from Tracy Newman, maybe and the reinforcements, or maybe without the reinforcements. Which way do you want to go? It might be fun to play another children's song. Let me just look on Shoebox Town because I just released a new CD. Oh, I have a Malvina Reynolds song on there. Magic Penny is on there. Do you know her song, Magic Penny? Of course. I'm a Quaker and we all sing well, it. Well, <laughs> it's, it's cut number 10 on Shoebox Town. That might be fun as long as we're talking about her. Yes. So let's get magical here with Magic Penny. Malvina Reynolds wrote it, but today we're going to listen to the version by Tracy Newman. Here's Magic Penny. Love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. It's just like a magic penny, hold it tight and you won't have any. Lend it, spend it, you'll have so many, they'll roll all over the floor. For love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. Money's dandy and we like to use it, but love is better if you don't refuse it. It's a treasure and you'll never lose it unless you lock up your door. For love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. So let's go dancing till the break of day, and if there's a piper, we can pay. For love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. For love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. You end up having more. You end up having I really hope that absolutely everyone already knew Magic Penny and now just has another wonderful version to play in their head. Mm -hmm. It's written by Melvina Reynolds. I've been singing it for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, whatever. I think I actually was exposed to it when I got involved with Quakers because Quakers like to get together and sing a wonderful song for adults and kids. Oh, it's a great one. 
You know, on also on the same CD, the next song after Magic Penny, it's called Zilly Billionaire. And it's one that I wrote. And it's a minute and 42 seconds of uh, Wouldn't You Like to Be a Zilly Billionaire. So it's perfect to go after Magic <laughs> Penny. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to play it. I'm just saying it's a perfect pair. Well, I, I'm, I'm tempted to play it, but then we're going to not have time for other music that you've done. But Tracy Newman has lots of music, and if you go to tracynewman.com or if you go to runalonghome.com, you'll find out more about the links, of course, are on northernspiritradio.org. What do you want to share next? I think I would like to do Zilly Billionaire. I think it's such a good coupling with Magic Penny. Okay, there are a few zilly billionaires out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just one or two. I'm not one of them. (laughs) And it's from Shoebox Town, which is my newest run-along home creation. So also from Shoebox Town, just like Magic Penny is, by Tracy Newman, Zilly Billionaire. Wouldn't you like to be a zilly billionaire? A zilly, 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 zilly billionaire. With that much money, you wouldn't have a care. If you were a zilly billionaire You could do lots of things you can't imagine You could feed everyone on the ding-dang planet You could save the whales, you could clean the air If you were a zilly billionaire So, wouldn't you like to be a zilly billionaire? A zilly, 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 zilly billionaire With that much money, you wouldn't have a care If you were a zilly billionaire A thousand thousands make a million I think a thousand millions make a billion You might need a trillion or maybe a gazillion But who needs more than a zilly billion? Wouldn't you like to be a zilly billionaire? A zilly, 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 zilly billionaire. With that much money, you wouldn't have a care if you were a zilly billionaire. If you were a zilly billionaire. A perfect counterpoint to Magic Penny. That was Tracy Newman's song, Zilly Billionaire. When looking for Tracy's children's music, look for runalonghome.com. And when you're feeling all grown up, find the music at tracynewman.com. That was a short song, just one minute and 41 seconds. Even though it was that short, we're still going to be cramped to get in some more of Tracy's wonderful music. I think we can probably squeeze in two more if we keep our noses to the grindstone, Tracy. So what would you like to share next for Song of the Soul? Well, Christmas is coming. And I wrote a song with my friend Lynn Stewart, and it's called Mama, I Know You Ain't Santa. And it was on my first CD for grown-ups, A Place in the Sun, Tracy Newman and the Reinforcements. Mama, I Know You Ain't Santa. Here comes Tracy Newman. Mama. I know you ain't Santa Santa don't have a figure like you And his eyes aren't red from crying And he don't stand just under five two Mama, that pillow is slipping And your pretty blonde hair 
showing through And ain't that the necklace I made you And I bet Santa don't have the flu There's a clear Christmas sky in Atlanta Millions of stars bright as can be Mama, I know you ain't Santa But Billy don't know you ain't Santa How could he? He's only two Billy don't remember Daddy But Mama, you and I do Well, thanks for the skirt you made over And thanks for dying Christmas sky in Atlanta Millions of stars twinkling bright Mama, I know you ain't Santa But I promise I'll always remember this night Now let me play Santa for Billy Cause you make one lousy Santa But as a mama for Billy and me You are the best Merry Christmas, Mama. You'll find Mama, I Know You Ain't Santa on Tracy Newman's recording A Place in the Sun, co-written with her friend, actress Lynn Marie Stewart. I was wondering, though, how much of it's autobiographical for either you or Lynn or for this, you know, like I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. I'm wondering if it was biographical because of your father's death. No, you know, it's a good question. Lynn Stewart actually had written a poem of this and was performing it kind of as Dolly Parton and the Groundlings. She would get up at the Groundlings with a wig on, a Dolly Parton wig, and imitate, you know, when um, Dolly Parton did that song that she was a spoken song. It was like, ain't she got no gingerbread, ain't she got no candy, and I can't, me and little Andy. Was that the coat of many colors? (laughs) I can't remember what song that was. But anyway, so it was something that she wrote that was, like that, not from her life or anything, from her imagination. We did add some verses, and I wrote the melody for it and recorded it. That was on your first recording for adults. When you do a recording for adults, what are you aiming at? Because, you know, you were a writer for such a long time for uh, many TV shows, and you did a whole bunch of different shows. Any stick out for you as particularly pleasurable to write for? Yeah, I mean, our first job, I had a writing partner uh, named John Stark, and our first job as staff writers was Cheers, actually, which... You know, if you're going to start somewhere, start on the the most successful show on television if you can, (laughs) because we really learned how to run a show from them. 
And it certainly, I mean, you did a whole lot of shows, as I said, Cheers, Bob with Bob Newhart, the Nanny, and you did Ellen. Yeah, we, we were on the Ellen sitcom for four seasons, and we won the Emmy for writing the coming out episode, which I don't know if everybody saw that. A lot of people did because it was kind of a, a national event, really. Laura Dern was on that and Katie Lang, and I mean, there were a lot of stars on that show. Oprah, of course. It was quite a time. That's both an Emmy and a Peabody Award. That's right. You've done your homework. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, during those years when you're doing all that writing, what did you do with your music? Did you just hide it away or just do it in after hours to decontract? I guess that's a French word, to relax, I guess we say in English. (laughs) Um, well, <laughs> I sometimes can't remember the English word. I have to go to the French. So you speak French? <laughs> yes. I mean, originally, are you? Do, were you? Are you? A... No, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in a French-speaking oh, right, right, country. Right. So yeah, I, told me I lived for two years speaking French all the time. So sometimes some words just come into my head in French, not English. No, I understand that. To answer your question, what happened to my music in the eighteen years I was writing television? You know, I've been playing the guitar since I was fourteen. So you don't just give that kind of thing up. You know, it was part of my life. And I had my guitar often anyway at my office, wherever I was working. And what I found was sometimes we would be breaking a story or working on the script and decide, hey, we need a song here. We need our our lead character to, to sing a little ditty or we need something coming out of a movie house as we're walking by or, or we need uh, Ellen to sing something. And I had my guitar there and I would go and immediately write it and send it to the, the music supervisor. A lot of TV writers are songwriters or people who were in the music business who couldn't make a living because you can make a living in television and you can't make much of a living in music unless you're a big music star. Fortunately, you had the gifts of both writing. And by the way, when you're writing, are you doing humor? Are you doing plot twists? Oh, it's pretty much everything. You know, there's like 12 to 15 on many shows anyway, comedy shows. There's maybe the staff is maybe 10 to 15 people. You may be assigned to go off and write a story by yourself, But when you come back in, well, first of all, the story is broken in the room with all those writers. They come up with the story most of the time. And you're there, too. I mean, you're you're with them. And if you know you're going to be writing the story, maybe you you can lead that. But anyway, you you go home, you write the script and you come back and then they have at it (laughs) and they punch it up and they change the story and they they work a lot on it. So it's it's a group effort. So when I say I won the Emmy for something, I won the Emmy for what what is essentially a group effort, even though my partner and I wrote the script, literally. We did go off and write the script. When we came back, we had so much help making it funnier and funnier and funnier and better and better. Well, good. I'm glad. I've always wondered how that is, because the only ideas I had about script writing before were the Dick Van Dyke show, where the three of them would be writing this. Yeah, so you said there were 10 right? people instead of three. That's exactly how it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. You're, you're in a room laughing until you're you know not laughing, and you're tired, and you just want to go home, and you still have to be writing comedy. <laughs> but you know, you're, you're laughing a good six or seven hours a day, at least at the beginning, when you first start. 
That sounds like good muscles to build up, your laughing muscles. <laughs> no, it's really fun. Well, I don't think we have time to get all of the music in that I would have loved to have shared from Tracy Newman, folks. Tracy, one more song. How can we conclude your song of the soul? Well, I think it should be I Just See You, because even though Fire Up the Weed was the most requested comedy song, uh, I Just See You is the most requested song in general, and the audience usually sings it with me. So I think that's a good one to end the show with. I certainly get the idea of the song, and, and people hear it in just a moment. Is it autobiographical at all? And I'm really speaking about the wrestling that goes in, self-doubt that people feel as they age. I'm 64 now, and so, you know, I definitely don't have the six-pack abs. I don't think I ever did have them, but, you know, it still would be nice to be able to see my toes, you know, and <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so there's... You're painting such a picture. <laughs> I'm not really that bad, don't believe me. I was in a, uh, a songwriting group, not a class, but a group. And the person who ran the group, he gave a prompt, and it was, uh, what do you see when you look in the mirror? And everybody wrote a song based on that, and the one that I wrote was called I Just See You. Can I ask you the question, though, Tracy, what do you see when you look in the mirror? I just see, uh, I see, I see myself from when I was a kid till now. I really see all of it. Don't you? Oh, yeah, I do. I had a very interesting experience at my 45th high school reunion last year. I was talking to a group of people who had just arrived, and a group of people were facing a different direction talking. And so I, my voice was heard by someone in the other group was looking the opposite way, and I was looking away. That person says, oh, I hear Mark's here turns around and looks at the circle of us and can't identify me. Right. Because even though my voice was the same, my body had changed a lot and the hair had gone and it turned different color and everything. Yeah, a lot of times you, you look in the mirror and you say, wait a minute, who is that old guy or who's that old woman? <laughs> but most of the time, though, for me, really, yeah, to me, I, I sometimes look older than I think I look in the mirror. But in general, I really do see myself in all ages. Depends on my expression, you know. If I have makeup on, I look particularly younger if I did the makeup well. If I uh, don't have makeup on, sometimes I look like a kid and sometimes I look like an old, old lady. <laughs> well, I hear the youth in your voice and I certainly hear it when you sing both for adults and kids. And folks, do check out Tracy Newman via two websites, tracynewman.com, her adult-oriented music, and runalonghome.com is for very young folks. And then for parents and grandparents, too. Of course. Because, as we said, when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves in all ages. I still love that music of my youth, too. So check out all of the work that she's done over the years. It's so wonderful and rich and varied and delightful to have you here, Tracy. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure, Mark. So we'll go out with one last song, I Just See You, a title song of the album by Tracy Newman and the Reinforcements, and we'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul, I Just See You. There's a mirror on the bookcase in the hallway by the stairs She always steals a look when she walks by She stops 
to clean her glasses, shakes her head and heaves a sigh. She can't believe the lines around her eyes. Her husband's in the den, but he can hear her. He comes out and steps between her and the mirror, saying, "Let me be your looking glass. Look at me when you walk past. See yourself the way I do. I don't see young. I don't see old." Driveway with a bucket and a sponge. He's finally gonna wash her Cherokee. He takes his shirt off as he passes the window on the driver's side and sees a belly where a six-pack used to be. But she knows how it upsets him. She comes out and steps between him and his reflection, saying, "Let me be your looking glass. Look at me when you walk past and see yourself." Remember, I do. And let me be your looking glass. Look at me when you walk past and see yourself the way I do. I don't see young. I don't see old. I just see you. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.